You're listening to E-Commerce Marketing School, presented by Privy and Printful. All right, so last week, I had the pleasure of connecting with a founder and fan of the podcast, Corey Nicholson. He reached out on Twitter in the DMs saying he's a super young founder and would love to connect if I'm up for it. I was blown away at his brand, Peachy Shapewear, so I was excited to meet him. Corey describes himself as a 20-year-old dropout who formerly cooked fries at McDonald's. And how could I not want to catch up with him after that? And now he's running a profitable six-figure business. Super inspiring. So of course, Corey's with me right now. Corey, thanks for joining. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to catch up again. So let's start with Peachy. Maybe you can fill us up in like, how'd you start and, and what are you guys up to with Peachy? Yeah, totally. So I want to say it was around September 2020 when my partner and I first uh, got together and talked about us doing Peachy together. A few months before that, um, he had started it alone and was simply sourcing products from China, a bunch of these shapewear products that seemed to be trending at the time, um, and just selling them through a simple Shopify store that he called Peachy Shaper. Uh, a few months later, we got together and said, hey, let's expand the product line. Let's try all this different stuff. Let's call it Peachy Shapewear and see what happens there. And if you're not familiar, like, because some of us don't know what shapewear is, like, fill us in. What's shapewear? I would say, like, explain like I'm five. I would say um, it's underwear for women that's a bit more tighter. Like, it's underwear that you wear that is a bit more, yeah, I would just say tighter. Things like Spanx. Yeah. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. So anyways, with all that stuff and minimal idea of what we were doing with Shapewear, like previously I had a pretty extensive background with Shopify and Facebook ads. I learned a lot of good stuff when I was in high school. But so at this time I knew all that stuff and could just like jump straight to the launch part. And so that's what we did. And a lot of it was just through TikTok and Facebook in the beginning, like the good old kind of mixture. I mean, but not many brands were doing TikTok back then as they were now. And so that was a huge leverage and growing point for us in the beginning. We were to grow organically and get tons of free customers. So that's kind of how the launch went down. Nice. And like, where are things today, you know? Yeah. So I would say since then, um, a lot has happened. We passed the 500K mark in revenue in the summer. And we're, we're going to see how we close out the rest of this year. We had a good Black Friday aside from a few creators that were hit or miss. But yeah, I think the main part of this all, like the hugest takeaway I've had just like personally, business-wise, et cetera, was the mindset part of it. At the beginning, we weren't aware, like we came from a dropshipping background and we were kind of entitled to saying, oh, like since we're going to try hard with this brand and just make it work long term, like we should be rewarded. But then quickly, like really fast, we learned how capital intensive this was. You're really not owed or entitled to anything. Like anything can happen. There is no like path to it. And so being able to just adapt to that and adjust to that consistently was so key for us. I think that's the hugest thing. Yeah, I like that the way you phrase that, like not being entitled to anything when you start something like, you know, the world is not gently like coddling you along to make it a perfect success. So being prepared, I think that's key. But maybe before we get into like, you know, some of the takeaways and what you've been doing to grow the brand, because I want to hear about the TikTok stuff too. But like, you know, you're a male, your co-founder is a male, like how did you guys end up landing on a brand that's focused on selling products to women. Yeah, I get asked this every time. It's kind of something I'm always sort of refining as well, but I would say like the main gist of it for sure, again, starts back to my partner. So we had a background of just taking stuff like the typical dropship route from AliExpress, testing it and whatever worked, we just 
go with until it stopped working. And with this, it was kind of that same mindset, but when things stopped working or got tough, we actually just kept going with it. And so simply put, he found it through Alibaba, whatnot, we found a supplier, got all these quotes. I think our first source of validation was like a few creators who we shipped part to, and then his girlfriend and our parents, whatever. Like we were kind of showing anyone we could to get their take that was a female. And that was kind of the first part of it. Uh, and then from there, like we did our best we could to just study the competitors and see like the main gist of the item and then took it from there. So we definitely aren't product experts with this thing, which I'm not saying is a good or bad thing, but it's kind of where it is right now. But we were really good at the growth part, which is just what helped us. Good. So yeah, let's talk about launch, right? So I saw a tweet of yours that was something to the effect of like, you had no funding and uh, there's no silver bullet. And then you said perfection is is one of the worst words to exist. So it sounds like TikTok was a big part of your launch strategy and your like rhythm of marketing. Fill us in, like how did you get customers right out of the gate for Peachy? It's a pretty hectic story. So one of the first days we ever saw this app, like our first go-to strategy on there was actually to comment on other brands videos very early on and kind of plant our seed there, but it wasn't really working. And most people were kind of saw through it and said, Hey, like you're just trying to get business. Like we get it, but no, maybe that was our approach to it. Maybe just the way it was, but that wasn't really working. We said, okay, we got to start posting videos. And so we didn't really have any models at the time or anyone, any creators holding our product or anything. And so what we have to do is just throw their product on the ground make a quick video that's 10 seconds long with a quick narrative summarizing some kind of story about maybe, hey, I wore this to the club and it does X, Y, and Z, et cetera, et cetera. Shop here, or try it here. A simple reference like that. And a few times trying that, one of them got 2 million views and all of a sudden hundreds of customers are coming to the website. The website's live. We thought this was like a mistake. It didn't feel real for a bit. And then we realized, hey, if we just keep doing this, it might become part of the norm. And so that's kind of what we kept doing for a while. This was when TikTok was definitely not as new as it has been before, but still pretty fresh for e-commerce and not a lot of brands on there. Wait a second. Wait a second. I got to understand this. So you put your product on the ground. Yes. And like, was there anyone in the video or you just no. took a picture? There was no one in the video. My partner was editing like our homepage or something in the background. And so to kill time, I just recorded one of these things with a trending song and threw it up. I'll send you a link for the show notes or something. That's incredible. And it got 2 million views. So like roughly how often since then are you posting on TikTok? So I would say like earlier on, we were probably doing it two to four times a day. I think we're still probably following that cadence now, but it's a little bit hit or miss since organic has kind of died down for us, just speaking the truth. But in the beginning, yeah, we were trying to post as much as possible. And I feel like the fact that we were able just to come up with these like quick narratives. And then especially once we actually got creators to wear the product and try it and do it before and after or show it with an outfit, that definitely helped us as well. Yeah, so let's talk about creators because it sounds like that was an important part of the launch alongside the TikTok stuff. Like how were you finding these people? And what were you saying to them? There was a whole process for that as well. So in the beginning, the first thing we tried was um, reaching out to a bunch of super small creators and saying, hey, like, here's a product, like, do whatever you want with it, like, no expectations. And that we read a really bad turnout with that. That was like one of the first things we ever did, try to get content plus a bit of advertising done. And that did not work out at all. So then we went back to the TikTok stuff and the Facebook stuff for a while until we ran out of content. Like, we just needed more people wearing our stuff and customers weren't that excited to show us like in their underwear. And so we had to reach out to some creators. And so we used two websites. One was called Billo, B-I-L-L-O, and one was called B-Roll, B-E-E-R-O-L-L. Those two websites, and you're able just to 
quickly upload like a project idea saying, hey, we want someone to wear this and do this and say that, and people will apply to your little task and you can approve them. So that was one way. And the second way it was, again, just reaching out to a little bit higher quality creators that are a little bit larger in following, treating them a bit nicely and just saying, hey, here's a Slack that we're in with a few other creators. If you want to join, get an affiliate code, make some videos, like, let's try that. And so that also had a decent turnout, especially once they saw our following and thought that there was something in it for them, I guess. It sounds like this has continued to be a big part of your strategy. I saw, you know, on your tweet thread the other day that year to date, your CAC customer acquisition cost is about nine bucks. Mm -hmm which I think a lot of people listening to would kill for, right? With everything happening on- That, that wasn't the summer. That wasn't the summer. It's higher now, okay. but it okay. was back then, yeah. Okay, cool. So, you know, it sounds like it's grown a little bit, but e even so, I mean, I think it speaks to like the strategy around content creation and using influencers and creators to drive awareness for the brand versus paid ads and all that stuff, right? Right. All right, so let's talk a little bit about like mistakes along the way, right? So you mentioned something about becoming a spreadsheet jockey. Yeah. Talk to me about that. That was a coin term. I, I think some part along the process, I just totally forgot about, hey, like we should get new customers every single day. And I kind of just started analyzing all these small details that just frankly weren't that important. I was trying to optimize every single shipping label cost, seeing how long shipping was taking, which obviously is important. But I think I was just taking everything that should have been monitored from a high level to just a little bit too deep. I was thinking a little bit too deep and being a little bit too contemplative, which I feel like could harm a lot of founders. Yeah, like just remembering that in the early days, what you need to do is focus on getting new customers in the door. Yeah. And so like today, is that where you're spending the majority of your day? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think like, yeah, if I, I wake up every day and I say that typical saying, if I had two hours to work today, what would I do? And a lot of time that's just revolving still around Facebook ads, TikTok, and even email as well. Recently, we've been stepping up with email campaigns, but anything to get new or existing customers back in the door uh, and then everything else, if I have free time, then I can go and optimize what our customer service agents are saying to customers or stuff like that. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think back to our early days too and like before Privy had a lot of traction, I was like you, not focused on getting new customers every single day, right? And I, I look back at that chapter and I think like, man, like what was I doing? You know, if I wasn't out talking to customers or trying to connect with new ones or supporting our existing customers, like what are you really focused on in the early days of your business? And, you know, there's a time and a place to optimize for profitability and CAC and stuff like that. But ultimately your business is going to die if you can't uh, figure out how to get your existing customers to come back again or how to figure out how to grow. So that's awesome. So, you know, how do you and your co-founder kind of split up responsibilities, Corey? I agree to everything you just said, by the way. And I would say my partner is more on the creative slash content side of things. So everything I've said so far is kind of in his boat, but obviously we're both talking about it a lot. So he's the one looking at other brands, seeing what they're doing for TikTok, to see what they're doing for creatives and kind of iterating that and putting it together. And I'm more on like the running the marketing campaign side. Like I'm actually launching the ads um, and managing most of the inventory. Nice. And so it sounds like now you're, you've kind of expanded your mix, so to speak. So you're doing TikTok, that's stuff that you're creating. You've also got influencers, you're doing Facebook and Instagram ads. Anything else in there these days? Every few months, we'll try Snapchat and we even tried Pinterest once or twice just in terms of paid, but 
the performance just wasn't there. And so, no, the main mix for sure, especially heading into 2022, is putting a bit more of an emphasis back on uh, Facebook ads relative to influencers. I think we're kind of, at one point, influencers, I was actually getting more spend than Facebook, but now we're seeing that it's just a bit too risky to pay a creator at large amount for it to go not perform as well sometimes because that does happen and that's okay but you just find find the equilibrium and so with cpms probably going to be lower in q1 since all these brands are um kind of finishing up their black friday sales so we're putting more focus on facebook um and just feeding the algorithm tons of creative that's our playbook so rarely are we doing targeting in the ad set level or anything like the targeting is now in the creative and how we angle it in there that's interesting so you have you actually like really pulled out all sorts of targeting like you're just going broad I would say so. Are you doing gender or just age or, or like, what are you doing? Yeah, we do gender. Maybe now and then, of course, like we'll upload a customer CSV file and create lookalikes from that. But rarely ever are we getting too nitty gritty with any kind of targeting. So of course, like lookalikes will still do its thing. Yeah, well, there you go. You heard it from Corey Nicholson, the 20 year old dropout who used to cook fries and, and now runs a six figure business that creative rules the world around us. So Corey, this has been awesome, super fascinating to catch up with you and to hear the the story of the early days of Peachy. You guys are off to something incredible and I'm excited to watch what you do next. Thank you, I appreciate it and same goes. I'm excited to see what you're up to next. Awesome.